If you've been with us these last couple of weeks, you know that three weeks ago we began this brand new series together. For those that are here today, I'm so glad to be able to be in the room with you. And for those of you who are online, I am so honored to be invited into your home and to be able to spend some time with you. If you have not already introduced yourself online on chat, just take a moment and say hi to everybody. Suzanne and our amazing host team, wants to, they want to help welcome you and just help you know that you have a church home. You have a place that you can connect here at Faith Troy. So we're so glad to be able to be with you today. Now, as we began this series three weeks ago, we started by jumping in right into the middle of some of the most complicated, some of the most um, sometimes challenging and maybe a little intimidating sections of Scripture in the entire New Testament, it's the book of Romans. And we started doing this, and we, what we discovered is that in the midst of all this, even though it's complicated, even though it's challenging, is that it's also incredibly significant, right? Because these words the Apostle Paul gives to us, they really help us understand the significance of the gospel, what it is that our Heavenly Father has given to us, what it is that he's offered to give to everyone in this world, the gift of a Savior. Now, you probably also know already that most of the New Testament, in addition to the book of Romans, was also written by the Apostle Paul, and just like any other author, the Apostle Paul has certain characteristics. He has certain styles in his writings that we see show up in all the different writings that he, he has produced. And one of those is that in most of his letters, he kind of starts off in the beginning very, being very, very theological. You may have noticed this. If you've ever read one of his letters from beginning to end, in the very beginning, he starts off very theological. And then afterwards, he kind of gets very practical. And so in the beginning of his letters, he always says things, these phrases show up like in Christ or Christ in me or alive in Christ. And then as you move to the end of his letter, what you find him saying is that if you're a follower of Jesus, right, this is how you should treat other people. This is how you should interact with your husband, how you should interact with your wife, how you should interact with your kids. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's how you should handle your money. Um, here's what leads to real intimacy in a relationship. Here's where real peace is found. Here's how you can develop trust. Here's how you can actually develop trust. He even goes so far as to start talking about the, uh, the relationship that exists between employers and employees, right? Very, very practical, practical stuff. And so for all of us, especially followers of Jesus, we hear all those things and we say to ourselves, we say, yes, like, yes, I, I want to do all of this. I need to do all of this. And, and we're really good at it for, for like a week, Right? Because it's hard. I mean, it's hard. And the truth is, none of this comes natural to any of us, to any of us. But then what we think is, well, that's okay, um, because I can always say, um, dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for my sin. And the way I always pictured this, and maybe this is how you pictured it, maybe not, is that, you know, I'd kind of come to God with my, my sin bucket all filled up, and then I'd give my sin bucket to my Heavenly Father, and He would kind of empty out my bucket of sin, and then He'd hand me back this bucket, and I could go back into my daily life, and I could start filling it up all over again. And one day, I get to go to heaven when I die. Yay. But see, when you read the book of Romans, what you discover is the Apostle Paul saying, okay, wait, wait time out. It is, not, it is not that way, right? It is not that way. Following Jesus is not about doing like the best you can, knowing that you're disappointing your heavenly father every moment of every day. That is not what following Jesus is all about. In fact, the Apostle Paul, you could summarize what we've learned so far. He, was, he would tell us this, that sin doesn't actually control where you go where you, when you die. Right? This is the part of the gospel we're all familiar with. We've all heard this. If you follow Jesus, then you believe you'll go to heaven someday. 
But see, the Apostle Paul would tell you, okay, yeah, that's part of it. Right? That absolutely, that is part of the message of the gospel. Sin does not control where you go when you die, but sin also does not have to control what you do while you live. And so the very first thing that we experience in this um, book of Romans, as we've kind of jumped into this, is what we experience, you know, the Apostle Paul, right? I mean, he's brilliant. He's, he's brilliant. He's a, he's a former Pharisee, and, and he writes all these big, huge, complicated um, words, and he, and he starts speaking to us very, um, very kind of up here, right? He talks about all these big, huge concepts up here. And then he spends, um, he spends the first half of his life kind of uh, opposing Jesus, but then he spends his life following Jesus, and not only that, but teaching other people how to follow Jesus. And, and he knows, right, from personal experience, he knows, he, know, he knows, listen, I'm not the same person I used to be. You're not the same person you used to be. So the Apostle Paul says, then why in the world would we keep living um, the way we used to live? You're a brand new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us. In fact, like we said last week, at the end of our, if you were with us last week, um, we said this whole experience of being taken out of Adam and placed into Jesus, it's very similar to what happens in an international adoption, right? There's a baby, a toddler, a teenager um, living in another country in an orphanage someplace under several layers of authority. There's a government, there's a state, there's an institution, um, there's an orphanage, there's a staff at the orphanage. And all of that authority completely dictates every aspect of that single child's every day child's life every single day. But with a, a legal transaction, right, with a legal transaction in an instant, right, that child, suddenly everything that is true of that child's adoptive family is now true of them. And all of that authority loses its authority over that child, regardless of, of the child's understanding as to what's going on, regardless of their ability to make a decision, the Apostle Paul says, no, it just happens instantly, not because of the child, because of the parents. So that's what the Apostle Paul has been teaching us so far in the book of Romans. And so consequently, we left off last week, again, if you were with us, by saying, listen, if we are now in Jesus, right, if we are now in Jesus, then sin is not your master. Sin is not my master anymore. And so that brings us to today, and to today, as we kind of um, wrap up this first section of the book of Romans, I want to give you three words, right, three words that will hopefully help all of us to kind of reframe and reimagine this and take this from being way up here to bringing it way down here and make it real practical and tangible, help all of us to understand the significance of experiencing the gospel, that the gospel really is so much more than I just get forgiveness so that I can go to heaven one day when I die. Right? Because see, here, here's, what, here's what you know, in fact, here's what every single person knows, regardless of whether you follow Jesus or not, regardless of whether you're religious or not. Right? Every single one of us, we know this because we've all experienced this. Sin kills things. Right? Sin always kills something. Some of you have had a marriage that's been killed by sin. Some of you have had careers that have been killed by sin. Some of you have had finances that have been killed by sin. For some of you, you have a relationship with a son or a daughter, and your relationship with that son or daughter was killed by sin, either their sin or your sin. For some of you, sin has killed the way that you see yourself, right? You look in the mirror, you don't like what it is that you see when you look in the mirror. The reason you don't like what you see is because of sin. It's because of an addiction. It's because of a habit. 
Sin always kills something. See, this is something every one of us know. You already knew this, right? But see, here's the part I don't want you to miss. Even forgiven sin kills things. Even forgiven sin continues to kill things. Again, you know this. Our prisons are filled with men and women who have been forgiven of their sin. Right? God has absolutely forgiven them. But they will spend the rest of their lives or a great portion of their lives in prison because even forgiven sin kills things. And so absolutely, Jesus came into this world to forgive us of our sin. But not only that, not only does he want to forgive us from our sin, he wants to save us from the power of sin, the dominion of sin, the captivity, the kingdom, the family, the nation of sin. Because sin always kills something. But the gift, the Apostle Paul would say, the gift of God is eternal life. And again, when you hear that as a kid, you say, okay, that just means I get to go to heaven when I die. And Paul says, that is not what we're talking about. That is not what we're talking about right now at all. Because the gift that you would receive when your heavenly father rebirths you, when he places you into Jesus, it's the gift of God's life. It's the gift of eternal life. It's a gift you receive now in this life, Paul would say. It is a gift that frees you from the power, the bondage, the control of sin. And so absolutely, right, absolutely, I, I want you to experience God's forgiveness. Absolutely, I want every single one of you, I want every single one of you watching right now to experience the gift of God's forgiveness in your life. But listen, I'm your pastor and I love you and I care about you. And see, so much more than just experiencing forgiveness for sin, I want you to experience freedom from sin. Because that is the gift of the gospel. Not simply forgiveness for, but also freedom from the power and the bondage of sin. Because that is the only way to avoid the consequences of sin. And so, today... As we jump into this, I want to give you three words, right? Three very specific words. Declare, which is a little bit of a review. Decide and devote. Three words that all come from Romans chapter 6 that are going to help hopefully all of us to, to take this from being theoretical and make this very tangible and very practical. So we're going to jump in to Romans chapter 6 beginning with verse 9. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, here's what the Apostle Paul writes in verse 9. For we know... That since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Paul's saying when Jesus conquered sin, he also conquered death. Right? That's what he's saying. The death that he, that's Jesus, died on the cross to sin, he died once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So Paul's saying this. When Jesus died, he not only died in relation to life, Paul's saying, no, Jesus also died in relation to sin. He also died in relation to sin. That the proof of Jesus conquering sin was Jesus coming back to life. Sin and death are always connected. The ultimate proof of conquering sin is conquering death. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. 
And so then in the very next verse, in verse 11, he starts to turn this whole thing around and take it from being very theological and kind of up there to making all this very, very practical. And so he says this. He says, in the same way, right, in the very same way, I want you to count yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. Now, this little word here that we translate as the word count, it's actually a a Greek word, which is a mathematical term. It's an accounting term, and it means to compute or to factor in, right? And so this is where we're going to use um, the the word declare. And this is what what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, as you move forward in your life in Jesus, right, from this point forward, no matter how long you've been in Jesus, a day, a week, a month, a year, a lifetime, Right, Paul says, as you move forward from this point forward, he goes, I want this to, comp- the first thing that needs to compute for you, the first thing that you need to factor in, right, the first thing that needs to happen is that you are in, dead to sin just like Jesus is dead to sin. So this is where we're going to use this word declare. Right? And we're going to say, sin is not my master. Now, this is why I gave you this assignment last week, so that you could begin to experience this, right? Even if you've never experienced this before, right? Even if you've never, even if this seemed really weird to you to think about doing this, um, and the Apostle Paul would say this, you're not telling yourself this to make it true. That's not it. It's not like if you believe this hard enough, it's going to become true. It's the exact opposite. Because it is true, the Apostle Paul is saying you need to remind yourself of this even when it doesn't feel like it's true. Right? So this is why I gave you this assignment last week to help you to begin to experience this. And so today, um, we, last week was just kind of a prep. Today we're going to actually do this together. I'm going to ask you to talk with me out loud in church, which is always weird, but you'll be fine. So you're going to repeat after me. Right? You're going to repeat after me. Sin is not my master. Right? Sin is not my master. Good. One more time. Sin is not my master. One more time. Sin is not my master. See, what's going to happen is you're going to leave this place today. You're going to close up your computer. You're going to turn off your screen. And at some point later on today, tonight, that thing, that thing is going to grab you. That same thing that always grabs you is going to grab you, and it's going to make you feel something. It's going to rise up inside of you. That anger, that lust, that jealousy, whatever it is, it's going to grab you, and you're going to want to act on it. And right before you act on it, you're going to remind yourself, you're going to whisper to yourself that sin is not my master, because it's not simply temptation that you're experiencing. The Apostle Paul would say this, no, this is this entity, this is this creature, this is this thing that keeps me doing what I do not want to do, and sin is not my master. And he continues in verse 12, and he says, therefore, right, therefore, since sin is not your master, and since you're going to start to start to factor in this truth in your life, the very first thing that needs to compute for you, the Apostle Paul says, is that you do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you keep obeying its evil desires. Right? This is so important. Please don't miss this. If you kind of are counting lights at this point, like come on back, everybody, eyes up here. The seats are comfortable, I know. If you're on Amazon, just push that to the side, close up the refrigerator, right? put down the spoon for just a second. I do not want you to miss this. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. 
when you wrestle with sin or when you wrestle with temptation, however you want to think about that, what he says is this. He says, listen, which side of the argument do you identify with? When you're in that moment, which side is actually you, right? He says, okay, you know how this goes, right? It's the whole I, I, I want to, but I shouldn't. Um, I don't want to, but I really need to. I'm angry. I shouldn't. I'm lonely. I'm sh I shouldn't. I'm exhausted. I, I shouldn't. Right? He says, okay, so which side? This argument's happening inside of you. So which side of the argument do you identify with? Which side is actually you? This is what he's saying. See, this is, I'm telling you, this is huge. This is huge. Because we get into this battle, the Apostle Paul is saying, and we think it's us against God. And Paul says, no, sin has deceived you. Sin has deceived you because your identity is now in Jesus. It is not us against God. That is not what's happening. It's actually us and God against sin. That's the real battle that's happening. Because Paul says you now have the very same relationship with sin that Jesus does. If you are in Jesus, then you have the same relationship with sin that Jesus has with sin. And yet in the middle of our temptation, what we think is, okay, God wants me to do this and I want, me to, do, I want to go do that. And Paul says, time out. You're going to lose that argument every single time because you have sided with something that you are not. You are not sin, and sin is not you. You're identifying with something that isn't even really you. That's not you. It's not even what you actually want, Paul is saying. There's only one of you. There's only one of you in reality. There is one of you. There is not two of you. And you will either identify yourself with sin that resides in your mortal body, he says, or you will learn to identify yourself with Jesus. The new you, your new identity where your heavenly father has rebirthed you. I'm telling you, you are dead to sin, Paul says. That switch has been flipped. That's not you anymore. And so because of that, you need to begin identifying. right? Not so much with sin because that's not even you. You need to identify with the new you that is in Jesus. And you need to start thinking about sin as that creature, that entity, that thing. And it's not you against God, it's you and God against sin. And of course sin's going to appeal to your flesh, but you know this, you're more than your flesh. Every single one of us in this room, we all believe that. Every single person watching right now, you believe that you are more than your body. Doesn't matter what you believe about Jesus or church or God, you believe that you are more than your body. You believe that when you die, you will go somewhere and your body, it ain't going with you. That's what you believe. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Your body houses you. It is not you. You need to learn to identify with the real you. The real you. Who your heavenly father has rebirthed in Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul says, listen, listen. You've got to learn to make this distinction. Right? You've got to learn to do this. This is not easy. But you are not your mortal body, and of course, your body is where sin resides. Of course, that's how you're going to feel it. But sin has no power over you because you have now died to sin, just as Jesus has died to sin. And this is why Paul says, right, stop letting sin reign. Stop letting sin reign. Right? This is a very, very different way to look at this, isn't it? To think about this. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I've got good news. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are in Jesus, 
that's the real you. You don't, you, don't even, you don't even actually want, you don't even actually want this anymore because that's not you. That's not you. But see, the problem is, is we get so confused because we so closely identify ourselves with sin. And we miss that God has given us a brand new identity in Jesus. And Paul says to help you. Right to help you. I want to help you move and to learn how to make this distinction. I want to learn. I want to help you learn how to how to make this distinction in your life. And so the way you do that is you understand. Right. You begin to understand. He says, "Okay, um, when you feel that thing rising up inside of you, you understand that's just sin still trying to rule me. Right. That's not just a temptation. No, that's sin still trying to convince me that it rules me. That's just sin trying to conquer me again." That's just sin trying to make me think that it is in control over me right now. And see, the truth is I've had enough death in my life. I've had enough death in my marriage. I've had enough death with my kids. I've had enough death with my friends. I don't need any more death in my life. I don't need sin in my life because I've had enough death in my life. And so therefore the Apostle Paul says, do not let. Right? Do not let. Because for the first time he would say, you actually now have a choice. See, when you were over here, Paul would say, you didn't even have a choice because you were in sin. You were born into sin. You were under the bondage of sin. You had no choice. And sin resides in your mortal body. But since your heavenly Father has rebirthed you, you now, for the very first time in your life, you have the potential, you have the power to say no to sin. No sin, I'm not going to let you rule and reign in my life anymore. And so our second word is the word decide, right? We decide that we're not going to let sin rule us. Because remember, you are not sin. And sin is not you. And so how do we start? We start by declaring that sin is not my master. It's not. It may feel like it is, but if you are in Jesus, Paul's saying, it is just not. It is not your master anymore. And then we decide. We decide, I've had enough death in my life. I've had enough sin in my life. I am not going to let sin rule over me anymore. And then that brings us to the next verse, verse 13. The Apostle Paul says this. Do not offer any part, right? And literally, he's talking about body parts here. We're going to see this again in a couple of weeks as we get farther into Romans. He's literally talking body parts, like eyes and ears and noses and toes and fingers and hands, right? He's talking about physical parts of our bodies. And he's saying, okay, so do not offer any part of yourself, right, to sin as an instrument of wickedness. And see, the Apostle Paul, he's actually getting kind of graphic here, if you stop and think about it. Because Paul's saying this, he's saying, okay, you know how this is, right? We're adults, you know how this is. You see her across the street, you see him across the street, and your eyes say, um, hey, I, I wanna, sin says, I want to borrow your eyes for a minute. Sure, sin. You can have my eyes. Sin says, hey, I, I want to borrow your feet because I want to take your body right over there. Sure, sin. You can have my feet. Sin says, I want to borrow your mouth. And you say, sure, sin. 
You can borrow my mouth because when she brings that up again, when he brings that up again, I'm going to destroy her. I'm going to destroy him. I'm going to eviscerate them because I am so tired of them constantly bringing this up. I'm going to just destroy every part of them and I'm going to bring more death into my relationship. The Apostle Paul says, do not offer, right? Here, take it. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, right? Do not offer. No sin, you can't have my mind. No sin, you can't have my eyes. No sin, you cannot have my mouth. No sin, you can't have my feet. I will not let you take the rest of my body over there. I'm not going to let you sin bring more death into my life. And so the Apostle Paul says, okay, instead of that, right, instead of all that, he says, rather, right, instead, rather, instead, rather, rather offer yourselves to God. Right? This is what the Apostle Paul says. Instead of offering the physical parts of your body to sin, he says, why don't you just offer them to God as instruments of righteousness that have been brought from death to life. Right? He says, again, when you were in Adam, you really had no choice. But now that your Heavenly Father has rebirthed you, you have for the very first time, you have the potential, you have the power. For the very first time, you can actually say no to sin. Offer every single part of your body, yourself, to God, to your heavenly Father as an instrument of righteousness. And see, this brings us to our last word, which is the word devote. Right? Devote yourself. Devote yourself to your heavenly Father. Devote the physical parts of your body to your heavenly father. The apostle Paul says, if you want to move this whole idea of having a savior beyond just simply this theoretical idea way out there someplace, you want to experience what that means practically. If you want to take your relationship with Jesus beyond just simply um, forgiveness for and actually experiencing freedom from the power of sin, this is how it happens, the apostle Paul says. Now, let me just tell you how this works kind of in my own life personally. And I've told you a little bit about this um, before. So every single day, um, I begin my day by giving the first few moments of my day to my Heavenly Father, right? And what I do is I kind of walk through each of the different parts of my day and I talk to God about um, what it is that I'm going to experience that day uh, as far as I know at 6 a.m. when I wake up. Right? So that's what I do. And I don't have, um, some of you probably have um, a specific set of words that you pray each day. I, for me, I don't have that. Um, so the words for me are always different. Um, but I always ask him to do the very same thing. I ask for his provision, for his protection, and for the pardon of sin in my life, um, in my family's life, um, and actually also in your life. And so you, you didn't know this, but if you're a part of our church, if you're part of Faith Troy, even if today is your first time online with us, um, I pray for you every single day. I pray for you those three things every single day because I'm your pastor and I want to see you experience the gospel. I want to see you experience the power of Jesus and the forgiveness from, from sin. 
And then I do exactly what it is that we're talking about together today. And I declare. I talk and I say to Jesus, I say, sin is not my master. Anxiety is not my master. Fear is not my master. Worry is not my master. Jealousy is not my master. I declare that sin is not my master. And then I devote. I devote the parts of myself to my heavenly father. Heavenly Father, today, I want to give you my mind. I don't want sin to rule my mind. I want to give you my mind. I want my mind to honor you today. Heavenly Father, today, I want to give you my mouth. I want the words that come out of my mouth to be, today to be words that honor and glorify you. Heavenly Father, today, I want to give you my eyes because I want to see people. Father, I want to see people the way that you see people. And so the Apostle Paul would tell us, it all, that making this practical, real in your life, tangible, it all begins by declaring something and then deciding something and then devoting something. Devoting yourself, devoting the physical parts of yourself, declaring, deciding, devoting has the potential to make all the difference in the world. To which the Apostle Paul would say, well, of course it does. Of course it does. Because after all, I mean, you, you do know why they call him Jesus, don't you? Which in Hebrew is Yeshua, which is Joshua which literally means God saves. That's what Joshua means, literally God saves. The reason they call him Jesus is because he will save his people from. He will save his people from their sin. Jesus himself says, the thief Right, a thief is anyone or anything that takes what does not belong to them. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come, I have come, that they, that you, might have life and have it to the full. And so perhaps, perhaps, perhaps it's time for you to trade sin for a good shepherd who will not drain you of life, but rather give you life and give it to the full. We're going to close today, and we're going to close... Um, I want to pray for you, and I'm going to ask you to do something maybe a little weird, maybe a little uncomfortable, but we're family. We do all kinds of weird things together, so it's okay. Um, I'm going to ask you to kind of just stand up for a minute, and as we pray, as I pray, I'm going to give you an invitation during this prayer because I'm going to pray these three things. I'm going to pray this idea of declaring, pray this idea of deciding, and pray this idea of devoting. I'm going to pray that for you. I'm going to pray that over you. And I want to give you an invitation that during that prayer, 
Um, if there's a particular part of this uh, message today as we are talking and going through Romans, um, if you kind of felt the Holy Spirit nudging at different times, and as we kind of talk about these three words, I want to encourage you to just hold, hold your hands out. And this isn't weird, okay? This is what spiritually would be referred to as a, a posture of prayer. You're asking God to give you something, so this is you preparing to receive whatever it is he has to give you. That's all it is. Right? It's a way that helps us to not just keep this up here, but make it practical, make it actually something that affects us here. And so I'm going to pray this for you. And then after that, our worship team is going to sing a song over you. They're going to sing a song that puts all of this into music and melody and reminds you of your, the work of your Heavenly Father in you. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, right now, Father, for all of us, all of us hear this kind of a message in a different way, and for some of us, uh, we hear this with a little bit of disbelief because we have struggled and struggled and struggled for so long, and if we're honest, what we feel is a whole lot of condemnation because we have been identifying ourselves with sin. And Father, in your word, you tell us that if we're in Jesus, when, when you place us into Jesus, into your son, we are not sin. That is not who we are. That's not our identity. Our identity is in you, Jesus. And so today, this morning, um, we are declaring and we are asking. We're saying, we're reminding ourselves of the truth of your word that sin is not my master. If I'm in Jesus, then sin is not my master. Father, for others of us, the challenge that we have is, is that next step. It's letting sin rule us. Because we know that sin isn't our master. We know that in our minds, but we struggle making that happen in our life. We struggle because the physical parts of our body oftentimes seem to take us places that we don't want to go and we don't know what to do with that. We don't know how to deal with that. And so, Father, we ask you for what only you have to give, which is the power and the faith to declare and to say, to decide, Father, because you've rebirthed us. So we finally get a chance to actually have the real us make a choice. And so we say, I'm not going to let sin rule me anymore. I know I'm never going to be perfect. That's not what you're asking of me, Father. I know I'm never going to be perfect, but I am never condemned. I am never abandoned. I am never apart from you. And so I want to live in that new, that new connection. And I do not want to let sin rule me or reign in my life anymore. And so, Father, we devote ourselves to you. We offer to you the physical parts of our bodies, ourselves. We offer to you our hands, that we would be the hands of Jesus. We devote our mouths to you, that the words that would come out of our mouths would bring healing and forgiveness and grace 
just as Jesus' words always brought healing and forgiveness and grace, even when they were words that were hard to hear. And Jesus, we devote our minds to you. We ask that you would renew our minds through your Holy Spirit, that you would begin to make our identity found in you, that that would practically be how we see ourselves as your children who have been redeemed, your children who are loved, the children that you gave your life for. And so, Jesus, we ask that all of this would be done to your glory and to your honor, Holy Spirit, that you would be the one who does this in us because we all know the physical us, the old us, can't do any of this, and that's why we need you. And so we commit and we devote ourselves to you today. We pray all this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.